0: What's true today might not be true an hour, a day, or a month from now. I'm going to give you the truth straight. No chaser. Glad to have you aboard. Let's get it. Welcome, welcome, welcome to Episode 7, my friends. How about that? Wait, you got to start somewhere, baby. So here we are, Episode 7, and I have got some big news for you. Check this out, y'all. Jacques Talk, seven episodes in. Already got a title sponsor. How about that? Uh, Greening Law. Many of you are familiar with them from uh, their sponsorship of the Jam Session Podcast. Well, they have decided to hop on board and roll with Jock Talk. And uh, we couldn't be any happier or any pleased uh, with our partnership. Robert Greening is a great dude. And I'm not saying that because he partners uh, with us on the podcast and sponsors it. As a title sponsor, I'm telling you, he's a Brian Adams graduate. Now, you know, it takes a lot for a Skyline guy to say something good about a Brian Adams graduate. But that being the case, he is a terrific guy, spends a lot of time in the community doing good work over there Brian Adams, helping people achieve their dreams. And uh, we are glad to have him part of the Jock Talk podcast. Uh, let me tell you a little bit about Greening Law. See, if you're involved in an accident and it's not your fault, what you want to do, what you need to do, is pick up the phone and call 972-934-8900 and and, and have the folks at Greening Law help you. Now, the consultation is free. Did you get that? F-R-E-E, free. So all that means is you pick up the phone, you tell them your situation, they'll ask you a few questions, and then they'll either say, hey, we think it's a good fit, or we're not quite sure, we wish you luck in your endeavors. But let me tell you this, if they bring you on as a client, I'm telling you, it's your lucky day. When you're involved in something like an accident that's not your fault, it can be this kind of long, complicated, tedious process. It can be a little scary, intimidating. Well, Green Law, check this out. They're your flashlight in the dark. They walk you through things. I like to tell people they answer questions that you didn't even know you were supposed to ask. That's how deep that they go. You know, Matt, my boy, McLaren. Uh, my partner over there at Jam Session, he was involved in an accident. They walked him through the entire process, even set up some doctor's appointments for him, walked him through the entire process for more than a year. They'll do the same for you. So if you're involved in an accident and it's not your fault, make sure you pick up the phone, call 972-934-8900, and let Greening Law take care of you. Don't take my word for it, though. Check them out at GreeningLaw.com. So we're happy to have Greening Law as a partner with uh, Jock Talk. Uh, But right now, man, it's time to talk about them Dallas Cowboys, 30 to 10 victors over the, I almost called them the Chicago Bears. Where did that come from? Over the New York Jets. Uh, Now I got to tell you, I was impressed with their performance. It really was. It was a, uh, you know, I thought they would win 20 to 7 in cover. I convinced myself of that. Uh, But I thought their offense would struggle a little bit. Um, I figured their defense would play uh, good football, but they played even better uh, than I thought. Now, here's one thing about what we're going to do. We're going to go into four plays that shaped the game. This is one of my favorite segments every football season. Here's why. In every game, there's uh Let's see what it was actually. In this particular game, uh, there were 129 plays. Out of that 129 plays, there's always some plays that go unnoticed or you forget about. It. You go, oh, dang. What if this play had gone that way? Or what if that play had gone this way? The whole game would have changed. Well, I like to look at those plays. It fascinates me. It's one of the things I love about football. So we're going to explore those four plays that shaped the game and then played a big role in the Cowboys beating the New York Jets in ending. How about this, man? A four-game losing streak to the Jets, 30-10. to Now, what we all understood to be the case is When Aaron Rodgers went out with his torn Achilles, everybody knew Zach Wilson was going to be the quarterback. Everybody knew, no, Zach Wilson can't throw. Okay, that's a fact. That's not supposition. That's not opinion. That's a fact. Yes, he can have the occasional pass It works, but overall, he's a poor passer. He's a poor quarterback. Kind of quarterback the Cowboys should suffocate. We all understood that, right? Okay, so here's what it meant. It meant that if the Cowboys were going to suffocate Zach Wilson, they had to do one thing. They had to force the Jets to throw. How do you do that? You play eight in the box, maybe eight and a half, whatever. You're not running today. That's not one of your options. You don't get the chance to run the ball today. Zach Wilson, if you're going to win, Zach Wilson going to have the game of his life. That's how you're going to win. Now, we all know that the Cowboys, hee <laughs> hee, Achilles heel, you like that? Uh, Has been what over the last few years The inability to stop the run Okay stop the run consistently So we know the Jets want to run We know the Jets have got Brees Hall Who had 126 yards last week We know they got Dalvin Cook Who's had four straight 1100 yard seasons We know Brees Hall had an 83 yard run And a 26 yard run last week So he can still go Even though he's coming off knee surgery We also know that the Cowboys Although they look good in preseason They did not look good against the run on that first drive by the Giants last week. So we are, it's okay if you say, I think they can stop the run. I hope they can stop the run, but I ain't really sure they can stop the run to a team that's committed to run the ball like the Jets are going to be. And the Jets got to run the ball. Why? They have no chance at all to win unless they run the ball. With that being said, what have the Cowboys done in the offseason? They reshaped their defensive line. They got hankins at the trade deadline big 350 pounder from the ohio state university then they added mozzie smith first time they've taken a defensive tackle with the first round pick since when russell maryland 1991 dude that's 30 years ago and some change so and he went to that school up north that we don't like to talk about named michigan so you got two 300 plus pounders playing the middle uh, you got Odiggy who's improved quite a bit this year. And so now it's a time to see, can you stop the run? So game starts, and the Cowboys surprise me. They win the opening toss and they decide to take the rock. Now here's why it surprised me. Everybody take, everybody defers now, takes the ball in the second half. Cowboys took the rock. Surprising because I figured they would want their best unit, the defense, on the field against the Jets' worst unit, the offense get a three and out or four and out, get good field position, go down there and score. That's what my thinking was. Instead, they took the ball, and I think they said, hey, we're going to send a message to the Jets that, one, we don't care about your number with your top-ranked defense. Two, we're going to grab the lead early and put you on your heels and under pressure because the first time you get the ball, you're going to be trailing. Uh, That's my thought in terms of what they did, and it worked perfectly. I mean, it couldn't have worked any better. Cowboys uh, take the opening kick. Uh, they convert a third and two on a uh, pass to C.D. Lamb for six yards, extend the drive. They later in the drive, Dak used his legs, man, scrambled for 15 yards in the first down, Move the ball to the five. Three plays later, Dak hits J- Jake Ferguson for a touchdown. 7 0 Dallas Cowboys. 12 plays, 75 yards, 5 minutes, 41 seconds. It don't get no better than that. So they kick off, touchback. First play the Jets have off. And we all know what's coming. They finna run the ball. What's gonna happen? Listen to this. He's got Brees Hall lined up behind him. What a spectacular return for him last week. They call on him right away. And hey, Demarcus Lawrence says, step back, loss of three. Man, he leveled Brees Hall. It was like, boom. You know what that was? That's when that defense says, hey, Doc, we're here all day. You get nothing. And I got to tell you, man, it was the first play of the game for the Jets' offense and the Cowboys' defense. I firmly believe. That set the tone for the entire game. And some of y'all have been sleeping on Demarcus Lawrence because his sack numbers have gone down. That dude is one of the most complete defensive ends in the National Football League. I do understand, okay? I understand you get paid for sacks if you're on the edge. But I also know that you would love to have a complete player who can play the run and rush the passer. That is Demarcus Lawrence. He's emerged and evolved into a leader over his career. Um, I remember him when he was a rookie and barely said two words, literally barely said two words. And now you know he's loquacious; uh, he's always got something to talk about. If you stop and talk to him, he's turned into a really good player. Uh, he's not a Hall of Famer; he's not a Ring of Honor. He's on that notch right below the Hall and Ring of very, very good, because that's what he is. So he set the tone, man, on that first play and the game. You can tell, man. Uh, Brees Hall ends up with four carries nine yards Dalvin Cook four carries seven yards they do nothing total eight carries 16 yards that doesn't get it done The uh, Cowboys shut down the run they hold them to 16 carries for 64 yards hey man Zach Wilson got 36 of that Zach Wilson got more than half their rushing yards and we all know that was all on scramble so they shut that thing down and uh get the ball back because that drive went nowhere And all of a sudden, the Cowboys have a chance to go up 10-0. Eventually, they do. And uh, early, man, in the uh, second quarter, there's another play that shows up as a big play for, for your Dallas Cowboys. And again, the game can turn quickly. And so these are the kind of plays that are kind of subtle. And if you're not paying attention, they can get lost on you. And if they get lost on you, you don't get them back. So the Cowboys are up 10 to seven. Now here's the weird thing about that. They done dominated the game. We're halfway through the first half. All the Jets have done. is got a 68-yard touchdown pass. that should have been a 12, 15-yard game. What happened was Stephon Gilmore was in trail coverage, which means he was running behind uh, Garrett Wilson, who was running the dig route, right, the deep end. He catches the ball. That's okay. All right. I mean, it is. They're both professionals. All right. It's the National Football League people. Malik Hooker, who's a really good player from the Ohio State University, is supposed to come up and tackle Garrett Wilson, who's also from the Ohio State University. But he whiffed on the tackle, man. I'm sure there'll be some talk about that in Columbus during the offseason. That dude goes 68 yards for a touchdown and Cowboys are sitting up here talking about, hey, dog, we done dominated this whole game from start to finish and we up 10 to 7. What's up with that? Um, So Cowboys get the ball uh, On the next possession Up 10-7 And here is a chance for Lowe We need to go, score a touchdown Get back in control of the game Dak Prescott has been excellent thus far this season He was excellent in this game Completed his first 13 passes And all the work he did With uh, Mike McCarthy in the offseason Marrying his footwork Aggressions, it's working like a charm In a short way, here's what it means His feet should tell him whether to pass or whether to run because he should be that locked into his technique. Uh, I'm going to have Todd Archer explain that to y'all in a little more detail later in the show. But that's really what it means. Uh, So here's the thing. It's second and three from the Jets 47. All right. Get a first down, keep the drive going and go take the lead. If you don't get a first down, ultimately, you're going to have to punt and the Jets are going to have a chance to grab their first lead of the game. So it's 2nd and 3rd from the 47, and here's what
1: happened. 2nd and 3.
0: Watch out. Oh, it was almost sauce
1: to the end zone, and he is just sick about it.
0: Dude. Dak Prescott committed one of the quarterback sins right there. Sin number one is a quarterback. Don't throw late. Across the middle Okay That's going to get you picked Most of the time Sin number two For a quarterback Don't be late On the out route All right. Sin number three For a quarterback Is don't you ever Double clutch the ball And then try to throw it To the outside That ain't going to happen Your boy Dak did that man Uh, Sauce Gardner did everything But intercepted He saw it He jumped it He got his hands on it My suspicion is he was so anxious to score, he just took his hands off, his eyes off of it for a second. ball fell incomplete. Tough break for, for a Sauce Gardner and the Jets. Great break for your Dallas Cowboys. On third down, Dak completes the pass to Turpin for a first down. Drive continues. So they continue to move down the field, and they get, to the Jets' 11-yard line. And it's another one of those game-changing plays. And here's what I mean. We all know there's a difference between getting a stop that takes a field goal opportunity off the board because you know you sack somebody and they can't get in field goal range, pushes them out of field goal range. There's also a bunch of plays during the game where if we get the first down, we can continue and score a touchdown. Or maybe we do score a touchdown. If we don't get the first down, we got to settle for field goals. And field goals, obviously, keep the other team in the game. So the Cowboys, they're only up 10-7. to 7. They haven't separated from the Jets at all, even though they are dominating the game, clearly dominating the game in every facet. Whatever number you want to look at, Dallas is dominating, all right? But the scoreboard says it's only 10-7, to 7, which means the Jets are only a play away from taking the lead. How about this? You kick a field goal, the Jets remain only one play away from taking the lead. So here's a pivotal play. Third and seven, Jets 11. And look at here what happened on this play.
1: He's got third and seven from the 11. Another motion by CeeDee Lamb.
0: He's looking for him, and the ball comes out incomplete. Then take it to the ground. Yeah,
2: but this could be a penalty.
1: Did they go low?
0: Franklin Meyer.
1: Flag
0: for it. yeah it's either a hold on the all-line or he went in oh. personal foul roughing the passer defense half a distance to the goal line dude I ain't gonna lie to you man that was an awful roughing the passer call it's a terrible break for the Jets who should have been lining up for a field goal and at worst a 13-7 Dallas lead Uh, It was a great break for the Cowboys uh, because now the drive is sustained. The drive continues, and the the ball is moved to the five. But it was just, I mean, what happened is Franklin Myers beat his guy off the snap, was about to put some pressure on Dak, and basically kind of got pushed into him, and then he wrapped him up because he was there. Uh, But, you know, in today's league, it's all about protecting the quarterback. You can't hit him in the head. You can't hit him too low. I mean, seriously, you have a very small target area to hit quarterbacks and uh, Franklin Myers grabbed him by the legs, wrapped him up, put him down. It's a roughing to pass penalty. One of the worst uh, you'll ever see. But, hey, helped out for your Dallas Cowboys. And uh, three plays later on third and 13 from the Jets' 13, dog, they caught yet another break. And um, what happened is Jalen Tolbert didn't even run that great a route. It was a seam right down the middle. The throw wasn't necessarily that great either, but uh, the cornerback, uh, Echols, panicked, and pulled down Tobert and all of a sudden, instead of kicking a field goal and going up 13-7, the yeah, Dallas Cowboys have a chance, first and goal from the one, and this time uh, Dak hits Schoonmaker, third-round pick from Michigan, for a tight end, uh, for a touchdown. It's 18-7 Dallas because there was another penalty, roughing the passer, This one was a little better on the uh, two-point conversion, and the uh, Cowboys opted to go for two. Tony Pollard goes off right in, scores 18-7 Dallas. And it appears that this is kind of the separation they wanted because the Jets get the ball to start the second half. So if you can get a stop, go up 25-7, you know, game is over basically because if if the Jets are forced to throw the ball, there's no way – mark my words, no way they're going to win. And right now it's looking shady because they're down 11 points. But they move, uh, they get the ball at the 25 and they start driving. And the big play was uh, they, on third and one, uh, they got a six yard run uh, from Carter off left tackle to get the first down, to call the timeout. And now you can be aggressive, because check this out. If you don't get that first down, the Cowboys are calling timeout, you gotta punt the ball and they're gonna have 50 seconds to try to tack on what? One more field goal before the end of the half. At this point, the Jets are starting to throw the ball, uh, looking to see if they can make something happen, except the pressure is too great. Zach ain't got no time, and the receivers are not open. That's what happens if you go against uh, Diggs and Gilmore too often. And so all of a sudden, Zach Zach, Zach Wilson starts scrambling and running 12 yards and 16 yards and 5 yards. Finally, they hit uh, second and 5 at the Dallas 16, man. On um, third and five, because uh, he had to spike the ball to stop the clock. Cowboys catch a break. Here's what happened on third and five from the Dallas 16. Here's Wilson. Throws, wobbler, and almost intercepted by Diggs. Hey, what's that Mark Jackson's used to say on the NBA telecast? Mama, there goes that man again. Hey, we're talking about DeMarcus Lawrence. Here's the deal. No, here's the deal. Garrett Wilson put a shake and a bake on uh, Trayvon Diggs. Lost him. I mean, just just put him in the spin machine and lost him. He's wide open at the pylon. All Zach wilson got to do is get him the ball at six. And just what we talked about, your Dallas Cowboys have dominated the entire half, and yet the score is 18 to 14, and the Jets are going to get the ball to start the second half, and you're like... This is exactly how upsets happen. You let a bad team hang around, and now something goofy is going to happen, and the Cowboys are going to lose. That's what would have happened if DeMarcus Lawrence had not shown up. I and mean, What happened is he had a terrific pass rush, hit Zach Wilson's arm just as he's throwing the ball. That caused it to flutter. That's how Trayvon Diggs came off of Garrett Wilson because he was beaten so badly and was able to get his fingertips on it. Didn't catch it, but uh, he had a chance to, but all of that was moot because uh, it wasn't a touchdown. Uh, Seabird kicks a 34-yard field goal, and that's up 18-10 going into half. Uh, Obviously, the Jets don't score again. Cowboys get uh, three turnovers in the second half and uh, shut that thing down and come away with a 30-10 win. Um, I think everybody's got to be impressed, but uh, that is four plays that shaped the Cowboys' win. I do want to take a little time to tell you about uh, another sponsor we have, and uh, it's CTC Chiropractic. Now, let me tell you about about Dr. Cornell Cornish and his magic hands. Um, He'll get your body out of alignment, and let me tell you, he does it for me every week, sometimes twice a week, uh, and he's done it for eight years. um, And I go at least once a week, twice if my body's not feeling right. Here's why I go to chiropractic. Now, I know some of y'all think it's quacks, it's not. not. It's not been my experience. I have never felt better than when I leave chiropractic. It only takes a couple minutes on the table for him to examine your body, move your bones around, and remove the interference between your nerves and your body. I like to tell everybody, first time I went to a chiropractor, I had some fatigue in my hamstring. And uh, he's, it was a friend of mine I worked at, and so I said, hey, let me get on your table. I got on the table. He, he adjusted my body. It took him about a minute. He, got, he says, okay, stand up. Tell me how you feel. And I said, wow, fatigue is gone. He said, yeah, I moved your bone around so your nerves could communicate and get rid of that interference and you feel great. And CTC with Dr. Cornell Cornish, he does that on a regular basis. Can I tell you something? He adjusted me in the gym the other day. That's real talk. In the gym, he adjusted me because I have a pinched nerve. I can't even tell you how I got it, but I got it. And so uh, he took care of it. So he's got three locations for your convenience, one in Dallas, one in Trinity Groves, where I live, one in Frisco. Go now. Thank me later. You can also check him out at ctcchiropractic.com and schedule an appointment. Make sure you tell him your boy JJT sent you. Now, let's go around the NFL. I had this thought today. And uh, big join the big rig. I, I want your opinion on this. I, it just popped in my head last night when I was watching Deshaun Watson play uh, yet another bad game. For, it's, it's a bad game for a regular quarterback. It's a horrible game for a dude with $230 million guaranteed because uh, he he's not playing like an elite quarterback. And so I had a thought. I said, let me go back three years to um, 2020 and let me look at Mike Sando's ratings. Mike Sando is a really, really, really terrific reporter for The Athletic. He spent, a, he spent much of his career at ESPN, which is where I met him when I was working there. What he does every year, is a great project. He talks to 50 NFL coaches, general managers, and uh, he puts together, and he has them rank every NFL quarterback. And he puts them on tiers. Tier one is guys like Pat Mahomes. Tier two is guys like Dak. Tier three is probably guys like uh, Daniel Jones, you know, or uh, solid starters, blah, blah, blah. And it goes down to tier five and tier six, which is the dregs of the league. So I said, let me go back and look just three years ago. Where was Pat Mahomes and where? And I I was thinking about Pat Mahomes because he restructured his deal with the Chiefs the other day so that he's making, uh, you know, $50 million a year, which is going rate for quarterbacks it sounds absurd and insane uh, because the money's just crazy man (laughs) but here's here's what we do know if you can pay one player 50 million my god what are you making and the answer is billions if we're talking about nfl owners okay so that being said i looked it up man three years ago three three years ago pat mahomes according to NFL scouts and general managers in Mike Sandoz's article was the number one quarterback in the national football league one B I know y'all gonna find this hard to believe one B was Russell Wilson uh, Russell Wilson gets a pass only because I believe father times got Russell Wilson okay and it happens to everybody sooner or later the third quarterback was Aaron Rodgers the fourth quarterback was Drew Brees, both of whom are going to the Hall of Fame. The fifth quarterback, though, Deshaun Watson. He was the last quarterback on Tier 1. Tier 1 is a guy, he wins the game for you. You don't have to do anything around him, but don't make mistakes. He's that guy. He ain't that guy no more, man. Check this out, dog. In the 54 games, this is amazing to me, and then I want to hear your opinion. In the 54 games before he sat out the the 2021 season and served an 11-game suspension for uh, uh, sexual assault allegations, in the 54 games before that happened, that dude completed 67% of his passes Uh, For uh, 269 yards a game 8.3 yards per attempt Which is outstanding 104 touchdowns 36 interceptions And a passer rating of 104.5 Which is is outstanding Okay, now he's only been back 8 games In the 8 games he's been back He's completing 57% of his passes For 186 yards a game with nine touchdowns, seven interceptions, six point two yards per attempt, and a rather pathetic seventy six point two rating. What the hell is going wrong with Deshaun Watson?
2: Okay, I got two words.
0: DeAndre well, what are they?
2: DeAndre Hopkins. How long did he play with DeAndre? I mean he got Amari Cooper. DeAndre Hopkins. Day in, day out, dominant, dominant. DeAndre Hopkins. It all went downhill when those two got divorced.
0: So he can't play with Amari Cooper.
2: Amari's good, but he ain't, he ain't consistent as DeAndre. And 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 um, Houston, the the familiarity of Houston. You know, being him being familiar in the offense and all of that, that's going, that's going to always help. I mean, DeAndre Hopkins is all about who you play with, your surrounding right. cast. Your surrounding cast, like Troy with with Michael. If you go back and look at his stats, what, is this, what does his stats look like without Michael? So I would say DeAndre Hopkins is the answer to all of that.
0: I don't like that answer because you ain't putting no blame on Deshaun Watson. He looked like poop out there.
2: Yeah, I am putting blame but on it. But I guess
0: that is your answer. Roger,
2: Roger. That? I am I mean I don't know. I am putting blame on it. It's just, so, uh, yo it's a team it's a team game. Um you, you know, it is is who you play with. I always right. believe that Shannon Sharp, I mean Sterling Sharp, any quarterback you can mention. He's going to uh, have have his favorite receiver or receivers? Redford, Sterling Sharp, Joe Montana, Jerry Rice. Sometimes it's who you play with. And imagine those guys without the supporting cast. that I, they had.
0: I'm just I'm just shocked at the at the uh, at the way he looks. Like he just doesn't look like the same confident swagger field quarterback to me. Well, obviously the. Layoff- I'm not sure how he's going to get it back.
2: He ain't. It's obvious obviously no. Nah. It's obvious the layoff um hurt him bad. I mean, you can't take that well, kind of time off.
0: That's what I'm getting at. It's it seemed like I wonder what what the layoff did. Cause it wasn't just that one year. He he missed the last, you know, half or two thirds of the previous season. Um and I wonder what that did. Did it did it take his confidence away? Um they take his rhythm or his feel away. And I, I guess my point was it felt like it's bigger than DeAndre Hopkins. It Wait, feels like he's just not the same player.
2: Um, some quarterbacks look better in other systems. I mean, you got some quarterbacks that can play well in any system.
0: Those are hall of famers.
2: Yeah. And obviously he's not that. So that might be his problem.
0: All right. All right. Well, I, I just thought it was. Uh, I thought it was wild. Uh, I'm interested to see what uh, Pat Mahomes does this year. Not. I mean, he just signed a big deal. Um, he was way underpaid the way the quarterback contracts were going. So it's good to see the Chiefs took him uh, and uh, made him the highest paid quarterback in the league again. But the the interesting thing to me is. When we talk about weapons, the Chiefs, if you look at their receivers, where Sky Moore is supposed to be the the number one guy right now, it just seems like they're like, hey, Pat, do it all. And that's, to me, when we get back, like, even Pat Mahomes needs some some guys to work with, man. I mean, you just can't give him anything and say, hey, take us to the Super Bowl. Uh, 17 points against the Jags, and they didn't look good in that game. Uh, only 20 points against the uh, Lions in the opener. I know Travis Kelsey was out. But I have a feeling that the, uh, the Chiefs offense is going to struggle because they've stripped away so much talent that you really ask if Pat Mahomes perform miracles on a regular week as opposed to here and there.
2: But, but that's my point about Deshaun. Same thing. Weapons.
0: Yeah, ultimately it gets down to Weapons. Uh, but I still like, uh, I like Mahomes. I mean, Mahomes is the best in the league right now. So, I mean, Roger uh, it there's there's nothing but love for him. Roger that. And he's going to look a certain way no matter who you put out there with him. But I just think the Chiefs have made everything more difficult for themselves because they've stripped away all his weapons. Now, they probably sit there and say, well, we had to pay him, so, you know, we didn't have nothing. We didn't have nothing left. And so, uh, you know, I never believed that. But uh, here's what it is. I guess I need to fix my phone since all the stuff I didn't get done today is popping up on my phone telling me I didn't get it done. Uh, let's move on to this. Uh, it looks to me like, you're saying, like your uh, Cincinnati Bengals got a big problem. They 0 2. Joe Burrow has aggravated his calf injury. And I really don't know how they're going to get it together because he is the offense in a lot of ways. Uh, And he threw for 222 yards the other day, which for him is not that much a shot about. But he did it on 41 attempts. That ain't no good. Uh, And so the Bengals, to me, got a big problem, and they need to solve it quickly or it's going to be some uh, sad singing and slow walking in Cincinnati because uh, they're going to have a tough time making the playoffs in that particular division because unlike some other divisions – well, you got some automatic dubs coming up. Ain't no automatic dubs in the in the AFC North with Pittsburgh, Baltimore, and even the Browns. Although they're gonna struggle now that Nick, Nick Chubb is out for the year. But uh, I am uh, I'm concerned about the Bengals uh, after Week One. Burrow got a haircut. Told us to relax, quit tripping. Uh, to, this week, he was a little more uh, he was a little more subdued because I think he understands what's up and just um, how you know the difference I was thinking about this dog in terms of this and I was thinking about it in terms of Minnesota and the Los Angeles Chargers they play this week each of those teams is 0-2 one of those teams will end the day 0-3 and what I was thinking was the, the wild thing about the NFL is you go 0-3 Yes, you have 14 games left, but it's going to take you six weeks into the season just to get back to 500. And if you look at playoff history with with teams uh, getting in at nine and seven or ten and seven, nine and eight, you basically saying the rest of the year we can only lose like three more games to ensure a playoff spot. And that's where the pressure comes in. And that's why when you get off to a bad start in the NFL, it's just so punitive. Because it's so hard to make up that ground because you only got 17 games of the season. And the simple math will tell you just how hard it is to make those games up. Now, another team that uh, that I am interested in is those New York Giants. I thought they were dead, man. Uh, I'm going to give them some credit. Now I'm going to cuss them out because they fell behind... Uh, the raggedy Rudy Poot Arizona Cardinals, 20 to nothing and 28 to 7. But Daniel Jones, who I think is just a guy, my boy Big Joe told me that years ago. I think he came up with that phrase, just a guy.
2: For uh, me. No, no. I
0: okay. said for me. Okay. I didn't, you know, I'm not saying he invented it. I'm saying for me, he just said, just a guy. Um, but he threw for 321 yards. Good for him. Here's what we're about to find out. Um, Saquon Barkley sprained his ankle. He's out three to four weeks. Now, I'm just going to say this. Y'all know I'm for everybody getting paid because the owners get paid. But Saquon been hurt almost every year. So I understood. I didn't like it, but I understood why the Giants didn't want to pay him. They're like, dog, you always hurt, and you play the most collisions position in sports. So you always hurt. Um, That being said, they paid Daniel Jones... Like he was one of the top 10 quarterbacks in the league Alright That's a fact He got 4 years $160 million, $40 million a year They paid him Like he was one of the top quarterbacks in the league Well guess what buddy Saquon is out You're going to have to perform Like one of the top quarterbacks in the league I don't think he can do it That's just me I don't think he can do it I think he's going to have a hard time Over the next month uh, trying to get things done For the New York Giants If you look at their schedule And I'm calling it up right now The Giants got San Francisco whoo. Okay check this out man Let's say Saquon misses Let's be honest Let's say he misses four games Next four games for the Giants At San Francisco Gonna be very hard to win that one Home against Seattle Probably a toss up game At Miami. They're one of the top teams in the league right now, uh, the way they're playing and with Tua Tunga Viola at the quarterback. Then they play at Buffalo. Dog, by the time he gets back, them boys could be one and five, or they could be two and four, uh, and it could be, you know, the season in, in a lot of ways could be damn near over if they don't handle this stretch. So Daniel Jones has an opportunity to shut me. And all his critics up with a, uh, with a good performance here over the next month or so while Saquon Barkley is out. And I am uh, looking forward to seeing if he can do it. Um, I'm interested in your opinion on this, Big Joe. I think, and I, I don't think I'm breaking no news here, okay? So I'm not trying to break no news here. Um, the New England Patriots got a problem. They 0-2 for the first time since, since uh, 2001. Um, they really are 500 team since Tom Brady left. Uh, Robert Kraft has already been talking about in the offseason. I expect this to be a playoff team and Super Bowl contender. Um, their next group of games is they got the Jets, which I think they'll win just because they got the edgy quarterback. They got the Cowboys, which they should lose. They got the Saints, which is probably a toss-up. They got the Raiders, which is probably a toss-up. And then they got Buffalo and Miami back-to-back, and they're going to be underdogs in both of those. And what I'm saying is at 0-2, they could be a team that has five losses. I mean, they could be 3-5, and 2-6 and six, if they don't, if they don't get, uh, get some improved play. And here's, here's what I'm getting at, though, man. Let's just keep it real do they have a Bill Belichick problem? And here's what I mean. Belichick won all those games with Brady at quarterback. Now, he does a fantastic job on defense, but he won those games with Brady at quarterback, and Brady was that guy who could say, hey, I can win with Hartfield and Taylor running routes, so don't worry about that. And here's where I'm going. They got into this habit of thinking you ain't got to pay nobody because time can make it up. The reality is, you had an anomaly right there, and you do have to pay players, but they so cheap, man, they don't want to pay nobody, and the result is they got a raggedy Rudy Poot offense with no stars and no players who can make it happen, and I don't know how they're going to consistently score, and um, they just look like a bad team. I mean, they look like a a scrappy team. They're going to play hard, and they're going to be the defense is going to be solid, but I don't see them winning a lot of games. And I really think your boy might get fired at the end of this year. What do you think?
2: Well, I watch a lot of Law and Order. They usually say when you you, you get something like that, they go asked and answer. <laughs> you ask <laughs> and you answer. <laughs> what what do I have left? What I have left after that? Because I I think, don't, know, I don't, man. I don't think I don't think oh I got something I always got something, but. I think he's going. I think he might walk away. Um, he's not. He like you said. I, I only. I can only second that because it's, it's the Brady stuff. It's Brady, uh, Josh McDaniels, Brady, uh, Bill O'Brien, Brady. It's a lot of guys leave, and they don't replace them. You know what I'm saying? It's 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 the foundation. It's kind sometimes of like sometimes
0: you think you're too smart.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but it's the foundation. It's kind of like you said with the Chiefs getting rid of their talent and not bringing nobody in. You know, is it the genius? You know, is the chicken or, or the egg? Is it chicken? You know, is it, is it the card or the horse? Is it Belichick or Brady, or is right. it both? Sometimes you catch lightning in the bottle. We see franchise quarterbacks leave, uh, i.e., uh, uh, Jim McMahon and Mike Ditka. You know, what did they do after they broke up? You know, and I can go on with other examples, but. What? I just is,
0: want you all to know that man dated himself with that reference. Oh yeah.
2: I'm a old ass man, kinda. <laughs> but you know. Uh but that's what I'm saying with, with with every it's obvious that he's struggling without Brady. And it's obvious he struggled before Brady. So they had lightning in the bottle. They laid it get away. Brady got the Brady went to a better team. I think Belichick, I don't think he gonna suffer the Suffer getting fired. I don't think Robert Kraft would do that. I think they'll come to an agreement, and he might walk away. Whether he'll coach again, I don't know.
0: I think he will because I don't think he wants to go out like that. Uh, He can go somewhere new and pick a spot. Uh, Might pick San Diego because I have a feeling that uh, Brandon Staley, the head coach out of the the Chargers in Los Angeles, I can can see him getting fired in the middle of the year because they look like they're going to be chronic underachievers uh, once again. Uh, one of the last couple things I want to talk about is Tua, that boy from Alabama doing that thing. If they can keep him healthy, and let me tell you something, that's a huge if. They hold their breath every time they drop back to pass. Yep. But uh, he is doing that thing. He threw for 249 yards uh, against uh, the Patriots. And Bill Belichick did what he did because the cheetah caught five passes for 40 yards, which is nothing for him, scored a touchdown, but wasn't really a factor in the game because Belichick is the best at taking away what you like to do. But uh, two is doing that thing. He's fulfilling all the problems people thought he had coming out of Alabama when Miami made him the fifth pick of the draft. And uh, I like his attitude. I like his moxie. He's been through a lot of adversity. And uh, I think that um, he's going to have a, have a hell of a year. Only issue, the only issue, they got to keep him upright. My last thing is I want to put out a little dirty little secret about the Cowboys. This is just me surmising right off the top of my head. And I'm curious what you think. Tony Pollard. Been a role player his entire life. On a franchise tag now. One year. Ten me. Uh, I think he's 27 years old. Dude. He got 32 touches the other day. Now you know what the skeptic in me said? No Jacques. What did the skeptic in you say? The skeptic in me said. They done decided that. Unless something weird happens, we're not spending ten million dollars on a running back next year. So, Keith Pollard, all the carries and all the touches he can handle, and if it's three hundred and fifty at the end of the year and he scored a few touchdowns, made some big plays, that's great. Because we're not investing ten million in a running back next year. We'll go draft one and start the clock over. What do you think?
2: I think that's the new NFL. I think you're probably right. Yeah, I, I can see it now. I, I, I like that. I understand that. But that that's that's the new way of thinking right there.
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, it's but, a dirty game out there, man. That's it's what a you, dirty that's game. That's what
2: you were saying about the franchise tag the yeah. other day. It robs the running back. How many years you got to be? What is it? Six years before you can get yeah, another basically. contract? If your yeah.
0: first-round pick is seven.
2: Yeah, that sucks right there. <laughs> that's your entire career. Yeah. They need to, yeah. I I agree with what you said the other day about you know, it ain't right. They need to get rid of it. You know, the NFLPA is doing them a disservice when they don't do that. So yeah, yeah.
0: No, Um, right now it's uh, it's time for uh, one of my boys. We started covering the Cowboys together. I think Bill Parcells' first year in two thousand three. I'm so geeked that he's going to be with us each and every Wednesday through the football season and beyond, uh, my boy, tired Archer. Uh, let's uh, hear from him and his thoughts on your Dallas Cowboys. Now, y'all see, ain't nothing changed. Jam session, Jacques Talk. Ain't nothing changed. My man, tired Archer, long-time beat writer for the Dallas – oops, no, he ain't for the Dallas Morning News no more. He's been with ESPN for like wow. 25 years now. Hey, man, Shannon Sharp did it last week. He called uh, Stephen A. Skip. So I get one of those out of my out of my reading. This is my man, Todd Archer from uh, ESPN. You know him well, whether you see him on TV, whether you read his stuff on the website. He's brought to you each and every Tuesday by good friends at Smokey John's Barbecue. Todd, what's shaking, baby?
1: Jack, how we doing? Thanks for having me on. It's always good to uh, talk to you. Um, I didn't like you saying long with the emphasis on the long.
0: <laughs> hey, man. He's going to call me old, no, 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 no. This is giving you your flowers right here, because Clancy Hill Jr., uh, you know, he makes people refer to him as the longest um, tenured beat writer. I mean, he he finagled that in some way to make sure it made him sound good. But to me,
1: I don't eh, know, that's a title good. you really want to
0: have, is it? You know, that's what I'm saying. So I don't know. Uh anyway, I think as we talk about the Cowboys, somebody, my boy at the gym asked me this this morning and I've been getting a couple questions on Twitter, so I know you've been getting a lot on Twitter. How good is this Dallas Cowboys defense?
1: It's the best I've seen uh, since covering this team since 03. I think that first year in 03, they might have been number one in the league that year in defense, but they were no real. Roy Williams was at the top of his game still, I guess, at that point in safety, but. And the 0-9 defense with Wade Phillips, that was a really good defense with d Ware and his prime and a whole bunch of guys get after the passer as well. Um, but this one just kind of suffocates you. And, and that's not been the Dallas defenses that I've seen. Like, there are moments where they can suffocate you, but you can always figure something out and get something on them. Through these first two games, you've not been able to – the only thing the team's been able to do – is have their quarterbacks scramble, not even like really designed runs, but quarterback scrambles <laughs> to get right. them down the field. So, I mean, Mike is Mike. Obviously you're seeing the back end with, with the, with the two corners, able to shut some things down. And then, but I think the key honestly is how many guys they can go and get to the quarterback. It's it. it yeah. It's Micah, but it's Dorance Armstrong. It's Osa dig It's Demarcus Marcus Lawrence. It's, it's Dante Fowler. It's so many guys that offenses really don't have any answers for what the Cowboys can do right now. Can
0: I add uh, a, I agree with moment, that? I,
1: one moment of hesitation though on this. The Cowboys started out. Let's see what it is, see well, if it's
0: mine.
1: No 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 no. I no. I I just want to bring up one thing. You still okay. got me? Uh yeah. they did this a year ago. Right. They didn't allow more than 20 points in their first five, six games or something like that. So they got off to a really right. good start last year, too. They weren't able to sustain it. I'm not saying they need to sustain five points a game, but you got to you got to show a, if you want to be the 2000 Ravens, the 85 Bears, you got to do it for a whole season. And I'm curious to see when teams start to get a bead on Dan Quinn and what he's doing. What's their answer to the answers?
0: No, I feel you on that. My uh, my take, uh, what I told my boys at the gym this morning was, oh, no, nah, they're terrific, man. I ain't got nothing to say about them. Except we all know the Cardinals got a trash offense. Um, the Giants, to me, have a trash offense. The Jets have a trash offense. Um, and I think the Patriots have a trash offense. And so the positive thing to me is they're doing what you should do to trash offenses, Um, I take it all as impressive, all as good, but we're going to find out what's up when they go to the Bay and they see San Francisco in that running game, and we'll see whether um, Jonathan Hankins and Mozzie Smith, the first-round pick, and Odigizua and Micah and the whole crew can force Brock Purdy to throw the ball and uh, then let the secondary do their thing. Now, I feel good about that. Just because, if you think about it, they really shut them down last year in the playoffs. It's just they didn't get no help from the offense.
1: Well, they shut them down the last two years in the playoffs, if we're being fair, right? And it, it, both games right. have been on the offense with, with mistakes and unable to make big plays. And obviously, Dak had the two interceptions in the last, the last playoff game. But, yeah, I mean, it, what was the score of the wild card game two years ago? Wasn't it like 20 to 12? Twenty or? Something, like, something like that. I mean, it was a low, pretty. They didn't give up a whole bunch of points. I guess is what I'm saying. Where right. you'd expect your offense to contribute something, and they didn't. Um, so, you know, uh, yeah, they they're doing what you want them to do against trash offense absolutely. But again, this is still like suffocating. Like they're not giving them a, They're not oh, giving them no, It's anything. been impressive. Yeah. I mean,
0: yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, Gary to Wilson's
1: touchdown for 68 yards, right? I, I'm not right. doing the Wade Phillips. Well, if you take that play away, but if you do take that play away, <laughs> they gave up three yards per play. It's ridiculous. I mean, that's, no. you
0: know. No, they, uh, they look good. They look fast. They look dominant. I love the fact that they create fumbles because that means they bring in getting the bike to you. And guess what? Donovan Wilson ain't even played yet, and he's one of your big time playmakers, nor has, uh, Jordan Lewis, he's not uh, the the big time hitter that uh, Wilson is, but he's a playmaker, um, you know, for what he's worth. So I only see it getting better. How would you describe Micah Parsons' performance these first couple of games?
1: Um, he's Micah Parsons. I don't have a word for it, right? Because we've seen him do this. So, like, you know, they're moving him around. He's getting to the quarterback like that. But that first sack that he had of Zach Wilson last week. Just his ability to close, I think, is what separates him from so many people. Like, we saw DeMarcus right. wear close on guys, right? Like, this yeah. guy's closing ability is even better than that. It's just once he is within a, a certain range, the, the quarterback's got no chance. So, like, I, I'd be curious to see, like, okay – and Zach Wilson's a good athlete and Daniel Jones is a good athlete. You know, I, I, like, if they played Baltimore and Lamar Jackson – if he could chase down Lamar Jackson, then you are like, gosh bless it. Like Micah's like a receiver, right? Like every, Jerry Rice never ran right. fast, right? Never timed fast. But you never remember remember never remember him getting tracked down from behind. I think with Micah, right. he runs as fast as he needs to run whoever he's going against. Like it, it's and, and and he's fast anyway. He's a what was he, a four four guy or <laughs> four three, whatever it was. Right. 250 pounds I, I just think he, you're, you're seeing a guy that has been able to figure it out a little bit through two years of playing two years of after a year of not playing at Penn State and not that there's not more for him to learn because there absolutely is because he's not you know he's still what is he 24 years old so th- there, there's right. going to be times where he's still going to figure out the game with that athleticism that should make him even better than what he's been.
0: Um, I love the fact that he seems to be on the quest for greatness and everything he does is about being a great player. Because you're seeing other talented guys, and they're like, I'm good, and then I'm good that I'm good. And uh, you don't see that uh, whether he's talking about it and all the stuff he did in the offseason, it's like he truly wants to be one of the all-time greats.
1: Yeah, and he mentions to us at, at Oxnard out of training camp that, not only does he want to be in the Hall of Fame, he wants to be in like the up the big room, the upper room, even the that's <laughs> Dion what the the Dion room, right? So, at some point you're like, all right, you really didn't, you really need to be talking about this. You're in your third year, but yeah, and, and you know I did a big story on him where, what he did in the off season, how he went with Mo Wells down at down in Austin and trained and and, and got faster, and really the, what the the focus there was more on his body and recovery and how he can make sure he lasts for a, for a full season, because he was worn down a good board, good part of last year. And then doing the boxing uh, with uh, Tony Mack up in Allen, like, you know, how that helps him. And it, it all kind of makes sense. And I think, you know, a really impressive part was he wasn't like, hey, let me talk to Von Miller or DeMarcus Ware and see what these guys do as pass rushers. He sought out uh, Andrew Whitworth and said, hey, how are these guys trying to block me? So that tells you, like, a little something <laughs> about him that he's – He's he's looking he's he's looking at all angles to get himself better. And when you when you better players or best players are doing that, you know, people are gonna follow whether they want to or not, because they know that he's putting the work in.
0: Now, it seemed to me, correct me if I'm wrong, that the quarterback Dak Prescott Okay, number one we gotta say. You've seen a lot in your years. Were you down with the suit? Or were you not dying with the, it appeared to be dark purple and lavender, or was it navy mob, blue he said. and lavender?
1: Because okay, as you mob. know, Clarence, Clarence E. Hill Jr., the longest tenured beat writer on the Cowboys <laughs> writing staff, him chose to bring uh, it about was, himself uh... to say, hey, Dak, you're wearing my purple. Because that's what Clarence likes to do and bring <laughs> attention to himself. Or Dak quickly corrected him about saying it was mauve and something else. Um, here's yeah. what I'll say about Dak's suit. I couldn't pull it off. So um, No. And neither could Clarence. I mean, I and could pull could it you. off, but
0: I didn't, I didn't,
1: no, you I couldn't. didn't like not I could couldn't. pull
0: it off. No. I, I didn't no, like it, couldn't. though. I, the stripes were too bold for me. It's just uh, I wasn't messing with it. Uh, I, normally, I, love he's, the uh, I, I think he he he's a pretty a good dresser for a rich guy.
1: Right, he. I just love the fact that he lives in a world where he's never going to wear that suit again.
0: You know what? <laughs> you know what? You're I'm probably saying? right. <laughs> You're probably <laughs> like,
1: right. I mean, we should all aspire to be in that world where you can say, say, yeah, "I'm good." I'd like. Well, you know, Prince closet.
0: all wore underwear once.
1: Oh, well, there's. Yeah, welcome Prince back all to wore underwear, underwear once.
0: <laughs> exactly so check this this out where
1: you get on jock talking nowhere else
0: (laughs) (laughs) you asked the quarterback about his interceptions and he seemed to catch an attitude fair unfair
1: yeah he, he didn't seem to be too pleased with it when the premise of the question wasn't about hey you turned the ball over a lot last year the premise was whatever you've worked on seems to be working so far where you're not throwing interceptions um and as you know, like on the journalism side of things, and it's not so much, yes, the question matters, but really what we want is the answer. And we got a really good answer about it. How, you know, I guess, you know, if you're going to lead the league, this is something that's always going to be brought up. And I don't think about it. And I've worked hard on this and that and every Everyone has its own story. and So was pleased with the, um, the answer that we got, because it was, <laughs> it was, a, it was a really good answer, but I do th- like, dude, you didn't have two games last year where you didn't have a pick in back-to-back games. It's He knows right. it. It was an entire storyline from all of last season, all of this offseason, all the way into training camp. It's going And now, again, the second he throws a pick, what's everybody going to say? He didn't fix this. He threw a pick. Da, 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 da. It's like <laughs> they all throw interceptions, man. But I got, I got a story coming up on ESPN.com about the whole footwork thing. And right. it kind of – I had a, a a guru guy explain it to me why the footwork stuff matters in McCarthy's system. The second you hitch, if you have to hitch twice, then you know you're wrong. So you automatically hmm. – your training automatically takes you away from making a poor throw or a poor decision. right? Think of like the double clutch that he threw – Last year at a Gallup, it, right. that Stephon Gilmore got him on right. He right. double clutched there. The double clutch in in, in right. McCarthy's system tells you you're wrong. Go somewhere else. Now he double clutched against the Jets on a little stop route right to C D that Sauce Gardner should have picked off. But that was the only time that 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 that, that happened. Um, so I, I think that's the the marriage of the footwork and the, and the and the receivers routes. You can see why Aaron Rodgers didn't throw a lot of interceptions with Mike Dude. in Green Bay. You can see why Brett Favre cut back his interceptions by more than half uh, after leading the league uh, the year before McCarthy got there. So um, it kind of mm-hmm. all makes sense a little bit.
0: No, How that's that interesting, man, because it's, no, that's that's why we have you on the show. That's why we paid all those uh, Circle K gift cards. It's, um, <laughs> it's it's for information like this. <laughs> now because as soon as you game said game. that <laughs> well we also got dollar general you got one of those need oh um, okay the one the one thing i thought about as soon as you said that was aaron Rodgers don't throw a lot of interceptions and he spent basically the chunk of his career with mccarthy so it makes yeah, sense and, to me and, right and away look
1: some of it's the quarterback and how good he is and the decision making and all that because that's gonna throw interceptions that every quarterback right. does what, what? But I, I truly believe last year with Dak was the anomaly. It was – and, and it wasn't just, well, he had that tip pass by Noah Brown and that tip pass by Peyton Hendershot and that tip ball by whatever. There are also poor decision-making throws that I can think of, like we talked about with the one against the Colts. I go mm-hmm. to the end of the first half against Chicago. Dude, the, the game is – you have complete control of the game. You got Greedy throwing down the middle of the field – and they picked you off. That became a game longer than it needed to be. Um, but then I'll go to week one against the Giants. Cowboys get the ball back with like minute something, minute 11. Right. And their first, they go down the sideline to, to Michael Gallup. Now, that puts the, he gets hit. So, But I think he was putting the ball in a spot where it's either going to be Gallup's catching it or no one else is getting it from the Giants. And it yeah. wasn't a over the shot, over the middle shot. It was down the sideline. There's not a safety there, and you're putting it where your guy's going to make the play and nobody else. I think that is also a, a lesson that Dak kind of learned a little bit as well.
0: Uh, before we let you out of here, uh, let's discuss or let's compare and contrast the two high-paid receivers on the team. C.D. Lamb, 11 for 140-something, 143 last week, looks like a boss. Michael Gallup's got a couple catches in two games, and the, you don't even know he's on the field. What's up with that?
1: Yeah, we we asked McCarthy about that, and you know he's like, "Hey, we we have to do a better job of getting him chances." And they said the same thing last year, and they never really did. Um, but they they have to get him going, take the, the the price tag out of it, right? In fifteen million a year, whatever it is that he's making. What's one thing that we learned under Bill Parcells, Jacques? Defensive coordinators can always do what?
0: Take one dude out.
1: They can take one dude out no matter where you put him, they can take a guy out. Eventually they're going to say, we're just going to double CD, whether he's the X, whether he's in the slot, whether he's on the other side, it don't matter. We'll, we'll, we'll take him out. So they bet they're going to need Michael Gallup to make some plays. <laughs> and he said, he's healthy. I trust them that he's healthy. He said he's mentally in a good spot. Uh, I trust him that he's mentally in a good spot. I, I think there has to get back to a rhythm of, he needs to be a more, not, not the featured guy. Right. But right. certainly for, featured more than two targets a game. And and that has to come yeah, with Jaylen. easy throws. Right. Not, yeah. not this nine uh, ball. Just don't t- get it. Easy
0: stuff. No. Now, how do they get that to him? I guess they just have to design him and make him the lead. The first option on a couple things.
1: Right. Just, yeah. Design it quick stop route. How about that? You know, I mean, and Gallup's good after the balls in his hand, I'm, run a bubble, bubble screen to him. Um, you know, do something to get him going early. We, we saw it a little bit with Amari Cooper, right? If Amari didn't start off a game, well, it kind of was like, eh, uh, maybe that's the right. same thing that we're seeing with Gallup that he just needs to get involved early. I, I, after two games, I'm not going to sit here and say, well, he's a buster. He can't play. I, I do think I'm, I'm with McCarthy. that They need to do more to get him involved. Because they're going to need him. Because eventually, Dax batting average to CD is not going to be 800 or whatever the heck it is after two games. <laughs> you know what I mean? And and Brandon Cooks has missed time. Obviously, missed the game last week. He's a, he's been a guy who's missed time these last three years. So they're going to need Michael Gallup to be be what we saw what two and a half years ago. Yeah, All right. one and a half
0: years. That, ago. my friends. No, we appreciate you. That, my friends, uh, is Todd Archer making his debut appearance on Jock Talk. You can listen to Todd each and every Wednesday right here on Jock Talk. Appreciate you, bro. Talk to you soon. Thanks.
1: Absolutely. Let's do it again next week.
0: (laughs) All right, bro. For Big Join the Big Rig, I'm Jean-Jacques Taylor. Thanks for listening to Jock Talk, sponsored by Grinning Law. Remember to subscribe, rate, and review, and please follow your heart and add that five-star review. Until we chat again, be blessed.